I have never been part of a church that put on a Christmas pageant until this year. It's one of the things that I heard about and read stories about, but never had the experience of enjoying in person until a couple of weeks ago when Alex fearfully led our bands of angels and shepherds and wise men through this ancient ritual. It was St. Francis of Assisi who decided early in the 13th century that a live reenactment of the nativity would be the best way to keep this story fresh. And almost a thousand years later, it is, in my opinion, still the best way we know to recreate what the first Christmas was probably really like, with the chaos and the squirming and the screaming and no one really paying attention to anything, least of all the main attraction. Usually, the main attraction is the difficult part. As you know, First Presbyterian has the long-standing tradition of using the newest newborn to play the star role, a role which baby Graydon nailed this year, in my opinion. And by the way, many churches don't do it this way. I've had pastor friends say their churches don't use real babies because you, never, you don't want to ca- cause any trouble by not casting someone's newborn as the savior of the universe. <laughs> and even if you settle that issue, you know how iffy babies can be. It's, sh- it's a sure bet that if you cast a real live infant to play the part, at five o'clock on the night of the show, he or she is going to come down with a world-class case of colic, or croup, or separation anxiety. So the next best thing, usually, is the plastic baby doll Jesus. But of course, they're so, well, plastic. And then you're confronted with the issue of deciding what kind of racial ethnic background the baby should have. Black, white, Latino, Middle Eastern. It makes me think of several years back when scientists were developing computer models that would suggest what Jesus might have looked like as he aged from an infant to an adult 2,000 years ago. One of the elders at that church where I worked at the time told me he watched this prototype evolve until he realized, hey, adult Jesus looks just like Bruce Pearl. (laughs) Again, it was several years ago and several coaches ago. Anyway, the baby doll is never an entirely satisfying alternative either. I read recently about a church that decided to forego both of these options for the part of Jesus in their Christmas pageant. They decided to cast a 40-watt light bulb in the starring role. There was a little electrical wire running between two of the wise men, and there from the manger came a faint glow, just enough light to push back the darkness. According to the scriptures, maybe that light bulb is not a bad idea. Reading through the Advent and Christmas text this year, I was struck by the allusions to darkness and light. 
The people who walk in darkness have seen a great light. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord shone around them. The angel comes to Joseph at night in a dream in darkness. Mary and Joseph arrive in Bethlehem late, so late that when they get there, there's no longer room for them in the inn. And it's nighttime, and it's cold, and it's uncomfortable, but still the light of the world breaks through the darkness. In him was life, and that life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness will never overcome it. That's good news all the time, I know, but for some reason it seems especially important this year. We know what it means to sit in darkness. News of another variant spreading around the world faster than all the previous strains. Infection rates and hospitalizations climbing yet again. Ongoing conflict and chaos breaking out around the world. Continuous unrest in the Middle East. Tensions rising with China. An escalating standoff with Russia on the border of Ukraine. In several spots in Africa, we see illness and civil war and starvation and disease which we seem powerless to do anything about. Closer to home, we hear story after story of violence in the streets of every major city and school shootings that seem to be, seem to be becoming the norm. We watched as tornadoes ripped through several towns, leaving devastation in close-knit communities where loved ones suffer and die and relationships end in an instant. We sit by helplessly as our economy seems to be wobbling in front of our eyes. A few weeks ago, I saw online that a five-year-old announced to his teacher, my dad said this economy is going to get bad. Oh yeah, the teacher said? Yeah, said the boy. It's going to be real bad for a long time. How long, the teacher asked. Two days, the boy said. (laughs) Well, it seems bad, and it could get worse, and I imagine it's going to be bad for more than two days. Savings, investments, retirement funds, pensions, benefits, all in jeopardy. We know what it's like to dwell in a land of deep darkness. There's no doubt there was deep darkness on Christmas Eve in 1941, in the first winter of World War I. I'm sure some of you have heard this story when the war was only five months old and already almost 800,000 men had been wounded or killed in the fighting. And Christmas Day was likely to bring just more of the same. That evening, Christmas Eve, The soldiers settled into their respective encampments, Brits on one side, Germans on the other, with less than a football field separating them. As darkness fell, soft snowflakes began to blanket the battlefield in white. Christmas Eve in the trenches, 
every man thinking of those at home who would be celebrating that year without him. On the British side of the line, there was hushed conversation until one of the soldiers motioned for silence. They listened carefully, not sure what they heard and fearing a surprise attack. From across the trenches came a familiar sound. Stilich not, heilig not. One of the Brits sang back, all is calm, all is bright. Pretty soon, everyone on both sides of the, of the battlefield joined in. Round yon virgin, mother and child, holy infant, so tender and mild, sleep in heavenly peace. There was another song after that, and then another and another. They sang through the night. And Christmas morning dawned not with gunfire, but with unarmed soldiers leaving their trenches to greet one another. There, in the middle of no man's land, they met for song and, and conversations. They exchanged small gifts, mostly sweets and cigars, and passed Christmas Day peacefully across miles of the front. At one spot, there was a soccer game. Brits against Germans, 50 players to a side. No one knows who won because no one was keeping score that day. Eventually, of course, things settled back into their routine. Grenades were lobbed. Bayonets were sharpened. But for that one night, that one moment in history, peace won over war. Humanity overcame animosity. Light conquered darkness. Christmas faith, someone said. Christmas faith does not deny the darkness, but chooses not to live in it. Christmas faith claims that the light that shines in the darkness can be trusted more than the darkness itself. And that a little bit of light can dispel a whole lot of darkness. And so, whatever the darkness is in your life this evening, remember this night that there is light. Small and fragile, to be sure, probably like a 40-watt light bulb. But light that can never be overcome. Light that dispels darkness like the light of our candles. Love's pure light the light of the world. Amen.